Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Man, I'll tell you what, I love Jesus. I love church. I love y'all. I love people that don't even love me back. You know what I'm saying? That's what Jesus did. I try. I'm not real good at it, but I'm trying hard. Good to see you, everybody. Thanks for coming to church, putting Jesus first in your life. Really, honestly, that's what church is all about, is learning how to follow Jesus. Well, our, job, our job is to help to equip y'all for, for ministry. We've been in a series talking about, about the uh, defending against deception and about the great divide inside how the... There's a struggle that goes on with us day, day in and day out. Whenever we put Jesus first in our hearts and in our lives, uh, it seems like there's always a, a juggling act of trying to figure out what is from Jesus, what is not from Jesus, what is right, what is not right. And uh, there, there's a great divide because we live in the, this fleshly body, but we have the Spirit of God in us to teach us and to guide us into all truth. So the challenge for that is... It is real. This morning, I want to talk to you about something that, that um, we, in our culture today, but it's all, also all over the world that, that we've, uh, as a world and as a nation, have decided to buy into some deception. And what I want to challenge us with today is it could be controversial if you are judgmental. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just asking you, don't, don't get judgmental on me. But I want to talk to you this morning about defending against deception, uh, to know your enemy, to know who is not speaking the word of God, and who the 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 muddiness of what our world has done with the truth of God's word. Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way. He didn't say that I am a way. I'm not one of many ways. He said, I am the way, the truth, not a truth among many truths. Y'all with me? It's not a, a lot of truths. It's like he's not up there uh, confused. I am the truth, and I am the life. If we want eternal life, we come through Jesus. So this morning, uh, I want, this is the controversial side of my message. I want to talk about the border for a minute. Um, you, many people say, well, you should never bring politics into church. I think that our nation has brought church into politics, and it's time the church stood up against some of the politics. Amen. And then, if that's a problem, I, uh, just stay with me. Maybe, maybe we can figure it out. On the border, the border problem is something that we have such a division in our world today and in, in the United States. Um, but the border is not a Democrat problem. It's not a Republican problem. It's a heart problem. The Democrats and the Republicans. The border problem has been there for decades during Democrats and Republican rules. So we can't blame it. 
just on them because they hadn't done nothing about it. None of them have. You say, well, where's that going? <laughs> Jesus said this. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I will come. He said that there is a way for you to let me into your heart. But you have to invite me into your heart. I don't blame people for wanting to get into America but there should be a right way to do it. There should be a door where we invite people. And you see, the, the interesting thing about most all of the politicians, they all have big fences around their property. You notice that? So whenever you come to my house, you knock on the door, I open the door, invite you in. But a lot of times what we do in our world today, we got people jumping the fence. And so since they closed the border in Texas, now yesterday I read that five busloads of illegal immigrants came into San Diego. Why? Because there's many ways. With God, there is one way, but... See, people feel like they're entitled to come to America, and the entitled people in America feel like they are entitled because they don't really have any real conviction about much of anything that we're entitled to do this. And, and so what it does, it bleeds over in this entitlement mentality that we're entitled to go to heaven. I have never been, ever been to a funeral where they said, well, that guy wound up in hell. He didn't make it. <laughs> in our culture today, they say, most everybody says, if you die, you're entitled to go to heaven. This is a theology that is not from the Bible. So there is a way to come to America through the door. There should be. Our politicians apparently don't know how to write that up. But there should be a good way to come. So it's an attitude of the heart. When it comes to illegals, I, I think that a lot of Christians are angry because we're frustrated. But what we ought to do is see humanity through the eyes of Jesus. The reason that our politicians have fences around their, their property is because they want to be protected from the people who will steal things from them. In, uh, I read in, uh, in San Francisco that if you steal something under $950, chances real good you're not going to get prosecuted for it. So the, 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 the point is, is that a lot of people want, they, they feel entitled to other people's property, entitled to other things. And if we're not careful in the church today, we will feel entitled to God's property and we will feel entitled to go to heaven because that's what people say in our culture today. We have a mindset that we are entitled to go to heaven. And I will say this, that is not, what Jesus said, it is not the way. The only way that we can get to heaven is through the blood shed 
of Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for you and he paid your debt that you owed. I owed a debt that I couldn't pay. I had to have somebody come and make a way for me to be able to go to heaven. So I invite Christ and I accept his gracious sacrifice for my sins not because I'm entitled to go to heaven, but because Jesus made it possible because he is the only way. Jesus teaches extensively about end times, and he could have emphasized the Antichrist. He could have emphasized the one world government or the global currency, uh, the mark of the beast, and a lot of other popular end-time teaching. It's not wrong to talk about these things or even to teach on them, but my concern is, is that we build our entire lives on sentences and concepts scattered throughout the New Testament while we neglect the items that Jesus himself intentionally emphasized. My point for that is that the disciples asked Jesus a question that I'm sure many of us are rightly asking today considering the compounding interest of evil in our culture today. Matthew 24, if you have your Bibles, it's Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. Tell us, the disciples said, they asked us, they said, tell us when these things will be. It's a great question, wouldn't you know? Would you like to know when Jesus is coming back? Wouldn't that be great to know? That way you could just live like the devil until, until the day he came back and he was like, oh, 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 oh. then we're all good. Here we go. He said, tell us when these, the disciples said, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age. So Jesus could have given any number of end time answers which would have surely sent us to create banners and and generate graphs and construct charts, which, which many have, and that's okay. Uh, but many times we want to specify and to plot out the second coming and when it will be. This is Jesus' response. Jesus answered and said to them, take heed. that no one deceives you. Take heed that no one deceives you for many. Everybody say many. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will receive and will deceive many. And in this sandwich between Matthew 24, 4 and Matthew 24, 24, he talks about the deception and Jesus wanted us as a church to understand deception. He said many will come. You see, deception is hell's number one tool to hijack the advancement of God's end time kingdom, deception. Scripture tells us that the confusion will be strong, so intense, so insidious that even the elect, the born-again believer, will be targeted. It said false messiahs, verse 24, false prophets will appear, perform signs and wonders to deceive, even possible, even the elect, it says. So how do we relate to the church today that, how does this relate to the church today that wholeheartedly believes in the inspired 
word of God and the gifts of the Holy Spirit of God. I believe it's simple. I believe it's the bride of Christ, his people that searches the scripture, that we're hungry to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking the truth, operating in the power of God who will expose these, as Jesus put it, doctrines of demons. First Timothy 4.1 put it this way. He said, now the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. You have to be in the faith before you can... Yeah. Cowboy logic. In latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So who are these deceiving spirits? Who are these bringing the doctrines of demons into these latter times? That's kind of what I want to talk to you about this morning. The first thing I want to talk to you about is progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity. These are false prophets who, by... New Testament standards are intentionally deceiving people of God, most often introducing false theologies that do not line up with solid biblical standards. 2 Timothy 4.3 says this, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. How many knows it's kind of an endurance race that we're in? When I was in high school, they... signed up for the track team and they wanted me to run the endurance races. And I'm, I'm pretty good for about 30 feet. I mean, I could, I could run pretty hard and pretty fast for about 30 feet, but I'm not a long distance. I'm just not put, I'm like a quarter horse, not a thoroughbred. <laughs> but I believe it's an endurance race that we're running right now. He that endures to the end shall be saved. Says, uh, according, says, endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. It will be about, it says, they, they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears to heap up for themselves teachers. It says, according to their own desires. Let me just put a caution asterisk here for everybody here. I, in our world today, I hear a lot of people talking about what I want. I hear more Christians talking about what I want rather than I hear them talking about what God wants for me. So my challenge is let's be careful because we all do it, right? Everybody do this. We all do it. <laughs> From little kids on up to grandpas, we all have what we want. We, as grandpas, we have more what we want than a lot of times more than kids. But we talk about what I want many times more than we talk about what God wants for me. Let me just challenge you. This is something that has infiltrated our culture that we are entitled to certain things And if we're not careful, we will think that we're entitled to eternal life. 
So progressive Christianity is a collective system of false prophets and prophecy. It's not a single person. It's a system of false prophets and prophets who prophesy falsely. Y'all remember last week we talked about Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher of the past. He said, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. I'm not referring to specifically to an individual or people who prepare the person who prepares the food or even those who stand to consume this smorgasbord of deception that we have. You know it's a smorgasbord of deception, right? Because there's a lot of it. Uh, we as a church, instead of being so critical of them, we must have critical thinking where we, we understand what's going on but not be critical of other people but to love them as Jesus loved us when we bought into the deception. Everybody please say amen to that. We got to love everybody, no matter what their problem is. I want, to, I want us to have eyes open wide to recognize some signs of this other gospel uh, that the apostle Paul warned us about because it is possible to have other gospel, another gospel and another system that replaces Jesus who is the word and the way. It's possible to buy into this. Paul confronts this in the church of Corinth when he said, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. We have Bible studies, we have, we, have, we have life groups here where we meet in homes and everything. We, we, it, we have to be careful that we don't give an opinion about what God says. And one of the ways that you can tell is we say, well, for me, it's not just for you, it's for everybody. And if it's just for you and it's different because you think your situation is different, that's when this heresy comes into your life. So we have to be careful that we don't allow our opinions of the word of God to become the word of God. I'm going to wait on you a minute. Hey, no, if you shout, if you, if you get in the middle of this, I'll preach better. The Galatians, he provided a very strong evaluation of the, of the fate for those who preach another gospel. Galatians 1, 6 through 9, he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if, everybody say even if. Even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches 
another gospel to you than what you have received. Let him be accursed. Let me tell you something. If I get up here and I say something that is contrary to the word of God, if it doesn't agree with the word of God, don't follow me. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. As long as I'm giving you the truth, stay with me. It's not my job to make sure that you know the truth. It's your job. It's my job because it said if you preach the gospel, then you'll be judged with a greater judgment than anybody else. That's the reason I didn't want to be a preacher. I'm going to have to stand. Y'all don't get me. Y'all ain't getting what I'm saying. I got to stand before God with a different kind of judgment just because I decided to follow him. Let's be careful, little eyes, what we see. Let's be careful, little feet, where we go. Let's be careful, little hands, what we do. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful. Be careful what you do. <clears throat> so church historians, both in the ancient times and modern times, understand that we call progressive Christianity we call progressive Christianity that it's not really a new phenomenon. But why are Paul's words so relevant? It's because it's been called by many names. In recent history, it's been called the social gospel, emphasizing the performance and charitable works over the importance of solid doctrine or, or, or solid doctrine you know, if you do more charitable things, and that's, that's the thing, that's the other thing. A lot of Christians believe if you do a lot of good works, that that out, uh, that'll make, that'll, that's what makes sure you go to heaven. I hear people day in and day out in the world I live in, well, I'm a good man, I'm a good man. Let me tell you something, you're not as good as Jesus. I'm not as good as Jesus. I don't deserve to go to heaven because I've done good things for people. I deserve to go to heaven because Jesus invited me into his kingdom and I had to make, my, make up my mind to, to, to accept him as my personal savior, follow him in water baptism, follow him in the things that he's asked me to do. I'm not entitled to go to heaven. I just made up my mind. I'm going to do it the way he wants me to, to the best of my ability. So this social gospel, it, it emphasizes performance uh, in charitable works over the importance of solid doctrine. Or we have what we call theological liberalism. which often deny the reality of biblical miracles. God doesn't do miracles anymore, according to them. Well, let me tell you something. If you are a born-again believer, you're a walking miracle. You are a miracle yourself. Theological liberalism denies reality of biblical miracles and attempt to redefine many of the timeless biblical truth present throughout Scripture. The bottom line of progressive Christianity is to, make, is to make Scripture a subservient to the direction of the culture. In other words, the culture dictates to Scripture to serve the culture, not the culture to serve the Scripture. 
We want to, in our own human flesh, we want to call the shots, and we want to tell, y'all looking pretty holy on me, but we want to tell God kind of what we think he ought to be doing about us. I'm going to let that marinate. We are not here to be served by God. We are here to serve God. I hear preachers all the time, you need to tell God, remind God of what he said, and you need to say this back to God like you're mad at him. Let me tell you something. You're not God. He's God, and he's not mixed up like we are. He's got it all figured out. That's why we need him so much because we don't have it all figured out. What are the signposts of progressive, we call that progressive Christianity. <laughs> they say that Bible truths are really up for discussion. Let's talk about it. Let's just talk about it. They say the scriptures are not the final authoritative truth for progressive Christianity. Uh, the scriptures, they are beautiful. They're poetic and, and provide a wonderful, wonderful life lessons. They even use scripture to support their deception. This is what they say. They, they use scripture that the Bible is a living book, but this is how they say it. Yes, the word of God is alive, but this livingness of scripture does not imply or institute that it changes based on cultural preferences. In other words, they say because it's a living document, we can change it. Kind of like people want to change the Constitution of the United States. They, they're like, let's just, let's, uh. let me tell you this. Whatever God anoints and whatever God says, we don't have the authority to change it. Uh, okay, I got to say this. I didn't say this in this other service, and I may not say it again, but authority is your friend. I feel like I, I, we, we need to understand authority. When you walk into a restaurant, you're under their authority. They say no shirt, no shoes, no service. We say no shirt, no shoes, no sermon. <laughs> See what, 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 what? We go back to the border. We should have authority over what gave us authority, uh, what, what God has given us authority over. I have authority over my home. You can't come into my home and do whatever you want to do. I can't, I'd never walk into your house and say, well, I'm your preacher. Give me a sandwich. No. <laughs> I can ask for a sandwich, but that doesn't mean I'm entitled to it. Authority is your friend. Why do, why do we rebel against authority? Dads, 
We need to take authority in our home. That doesn't mean that we lord it over everybody, but what it means is we teach them by serving them what real authority is like. That's what Jesus did, the greatest servant of all. He says that whoever's greatest among you, let him be the servant of all. Us dads, in order to lead, we've got to be convicted about what God has asked us to do. And if they're not following, following us, chances are real good. We're probably not... Oh, I, I, better, I better just stop right there. <laughs> Y'all preach your own sermon. I'm going home. <laughs> so the bottom line for progressive Christians on Scripture is that the Bible bows its knee to an ever-evolving culture, which is absolutely fine, which is absolutely f- This is a culture that is absolutely fine with diluting good with evil which leads us back to the old Isaiah days years and years ago, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, where he said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. You see, the Bible never takes a knee to culture. Culture must always take a knee to Scripture and to Jesus and to the living word. Jesus in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Bible that you have in your hands. It it is a written document of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Word of God. And Jesus is going to be the Word of God whether we buy into what we read as the Bible, which is the Word of God, or whether we don't buy it. It doesn't change Jesus because that is who He is. We serve a living Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He's living. It don't matter what this world may say. I see, see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives. He lives. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart today. He lives within my heart. I don't know if y'all ever remember the Doobie Brothers. (laughs) You remember? You remember their deal? Jesus is just all right with me. There's a lot of religion in that. The Doobie Brothers religion. Jesus is just... Anybody remember that song? It was like an old one. Sadly, we've embraced Doobie Brothers theology where Jesus is okay with sinful lifestyles. He's okay with heretical theologies. Here's what Jude said. The book of Jude, verse 4, says, pervert the grace of our God. Judas recognized the phenomena as people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. In other words, because God is a God of grace, we can do anything we want to do, and grace will cover that because, and, 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 it, and, and that's true, but the perversion of that is that I can live any way I want to live, and it's okay but what this is the doctrine that it's talking about is, is in the last days that, that we will give in to these, these voices and these, these, this societal structure where we justify doing what is evil in God's eyes. 
Does that make sense? The justification of evil is an abuse of God's grace. Anytime, <laughs> you're looking at me, so I'm gonna keep talking. Anytime we justify our actions that we know are wrong and we continue in those actions even though we know they're wrong, what we're doing, we're perverting God's grace thinking that, hey, I can live any way I want to live and I can add to and I can take away what God says about the word of God and God understands. This is what we talk, call our doobie brother stuff. They believe that God is cool with destructive things uh, that we do to our bodies uh, or the bodies of others in the name of sexual gratification or personal pleasures or conveniences. In some cases, the mutilation of our children to change their gender. Why is it that we, we don't trust people, we don't trust our kids to drink till they're 18 and we can change their sex when they're four? We've got a problem. That Jesus is okay with different religions because after all, Jesus is just one of many different ways. That's the Oprah Winfrey religion. Jesus can't be the only way. There's got to be a lot of different ways because that's what I want. They want to serve a Jesus that's okay with the destruction or the desecration of his temple, the human body. But it's not the Jesus of the Bible. This is a false Jesus. It's another Christ. It's another gospel. Absolutely. And with no doubt, he loves the people. Do you hear me? Absolutely, without a doubt. It doesn't matter how bad we've gotten. His love never changes. Can you say thank you, Jesus, to that? That his love is, my goodness. He loves them no matter what, deeply, radically, and intensely. But he is not okay with what wars against the temporal well-being, and more importantly, the eternal destiny of God-formed, fashioned humanity. God is interested in where we spend eternity, and this is something that we cannot compromise with. We must understand this completely, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus. Oh, goodness. I just looked at the clock. <laughs> universalism, I'm going to breeze through this. Y'all probably already know about this, but universalism is a destructive heresy that claims no response is necessary to the redemptive work of Jesus at the cross. That everyone is saved by default. That sounds inviting to the flesh, doesn't it? And everyone ultimately gets to heaven. In some cases, even the devils and the demons seem to have a second chance in this one. It's simply not true 
Starting with most recently, Rob Bell wrote the book, Love Wins. This teaching has become increasingly popularized and now is being rebranded in more theologically lofty language as the ultimate reconciliation. This means that if even if someone goes to hell or some temporary afterlife destination for judgment, it's only for a period of time. And even those people with even those people will receive a chance to become ultimately reconciled to God. Pretty appealing to the flesh, isn't it? But it's another gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus. The universal Christ heresy, this teaching is slightly different from universalism, but plays right into what Jesus warned would happen in the last days. He gave us context that deception would be introduced through the many options when it comes to salvation. On one hand, there would be many claiming to be Christ or the Messiah figure, but perhaps more relevant for where we are spiritually in modern society, we are seeing an emphasis, an emphasis on many ways to Christ and many expressions of Christ. This is a direct challenge to the words of Jesus who simply said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I could, I could go on for a minute, but I'm not going to. I'm done. No, I'm not quite done. You know, that's one of the fallacies when I preach. I don't ever say as I close. I just say as I begin to close. We went to, uh, we had uh, some friends in the church, and they had a timeshare, and they invited uh, Dora and I to go to Hawaii. And I know I don't say it right, uh, but I don't know how to say it. I call it Hawaii, and it's supposed to be pronounced some other way. But to me, it's just Hawaii. <sighs> anyway, we decided we would do that because it's uh, like kind of like a free vacation. I got a saying, free is for me. <laughs> so we went over there, and we're, uh, we decided we're going to go snorkeling. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a good swimmer, and I'm not good with water. People can drown in, in water. It's, it, it's like, to me, it's scary. It's kind of scary. And uh, so, I told this guy that was putting on the, the snorkeling thing, I don't know why I don't make them snorkels a lot longer. His, you, you know, you with me? It's suck water. <laughs> Bad. Y'all with me? Guy would make a lot of money doing that. So I told this guy, he said, man, I'm not a good swimmer. I'm kind of scared. And he said, oh, I got just a thing for you. And he put floaties on me. <laughs> right there. He gave me a floaty right here. And Darla, she's out on she's out on the beach waiting on me. She's laying on the, and uh, so I get my I get my floaties on, I got my my flippers on, I got my my mask on, my little deal over my nose, my, my deal over there, and I come walking out like, and she looks at me, and you know what she did? Sure. 
Then she says, I wish I had a picture of that. Now, don't you dare take a picture. And then I threatened her with her life. And I like, I like, but now I kind of like, I kind of, kind of wish now I had a picture because y'all were just like, you'd never think of me the same. You probably, probably best you don't see it. You know why they don't know what he's taking a picture of me? I didn't want everybody to think that I didn't know how to swim. I didn't want anybody thinking that I was like, that I had to have help. If I wouldn't have had them floaties, I wouldn't even be here today. <laughs> Y'all with me? Let me tell you something. If you need floaties, get them. If you need floaties, get them and don't be ashamed of them. Why is it that we think that we can make it without the armor of God? That we think we can make it? I'm telling you something. I heard, I heard somebody say one time that church is just for cripples. A bunch of cripples going, you just cripple, you go. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. Don't be ashamed of being, of needing a crutch if you're crippled. Without Jesus, everybody in this house needs some help. None of us have it figured out. I'm gonna put myself in the same boat with y'all. When it comes to living for Jesus, I got to have a lot of help. I don't want to get caught up in the world's way of thinking. I want to get it caught up in, in the, all of the division that's in the middle of our nation today. Everything is divisive. I've had just about enough text messages for the political system that I can take. My phone goes off every 20 minutes. Somebody's bad-mouthing somebody they're running against. Let's be the people that bring unity to the kingdom of God. Let's be people who brings life to the kingdom of God. Let's be people who edify each other and build each other up in the spiritual truth. Instead of being critical of everybody, let's have critical thinking toward the things in our lives, but not be critical of other people or of God's word. So when I went, when I went snorkeling, I'm still there. I'm still there. When I went snorkeling, I snorkeled with peace because I had a floaty. Anybody use more peace in your life? Seriously, man. I can't say it any better than Jesus said it. Again, in John 14, 6. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So powerful. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for helping us today. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to be at peace 
and not having a great divide inside, but agreeing with you, oh God. Help us every day to wake up and invite you into our lives and ask for help and help us to help other people that need need assistance that are out in the world drowning in this in this world of deception help us lord to be a blessing to you jesus help us to be a blessing to each other help us to be a blessing to our nation to help our light shine before men that they might see you in us and glorify you help us lord help us all lord to not focus on what i want but to focus on what you want for us we thank you for it keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second this morning if you've never accepted christ as your personal savior or maybe if you have you just haven't been living for him Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone open that door, I'll come in and be with them. Jesus will never make anybody serve him, but you have to invite him to come into your life. If, if you want to go to heaven, Jesus is the only way. And if this morning, if you've never accepted him as your savior, maybe if you have, you just haven't been living for him. Simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Anybody? We want to put a Bible in your hand. Yep, thank you. Keep your hand up till we get a Bible in it, please. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Yep, thank you. Yeah, sweet. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Lift your hand up high. We don't want to miss you. If you raise your hand, would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? I'd be honored to pray with you. I'm so proud of you. One of the blessings, I think, I don't know if y'all, come on up, baby. One of the things that a lot of people say, oh, don't invite people up anymore. Churches, they don't do that anymore. But we value people because people are God's greatest treasure. I'm so proud of you. What's your name? Amalia. Amalia. Bless you. Thank you for being here. I'm so proud of you. So look here. The Bible says, Jesus said this. He said, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised, us, raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Can I pray with you? Y'all help us pray. Just repeat after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amalia, thank you. God bless you. Listen, let us help you, okay? Keep showing up and we'll help you, okay? Go visit these guys for just a second. You don't live here? Okay, you can what? You live in Florida? We have, we're on the internet. You hear? 
Facebook. Beautiful, right. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Beautiful. Stand with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sweet Malia. Thank you, Lord. One of the things that Jesus said to us, he said, to let your light shine before men that they might see your good works, but to glorify the Father, which is heaven, in heaven. One of the things that, the question I have for you is like, is your battery charged? Is your light shining bright? Because every time, every time you turn the light on, darkness leaves. Because darkness, this is so important, darkness always gives way to light. Always. It's a law of God. So when we walk into rooms, we have the power and the light of God in us. But anybody have, ever have one of them flashlights with a, a little bitty, the battery is almost dead and it's kind of got a little bit of light here and you can't see anything with it? And it's, y'all know where I'm going, right? Let's keep our light shining bright. You with me? Can I pray for y'all? Let's raise both hands and let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that it's living and powerful. I just pray, Lord, for everybody in this room, everybody watching online. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to value the truth of the Word of God. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you said that you would teach us all things. So we surrender to you. We submit to you. We submit. We bow down to the Word of God, knowing that, Jesus, that you are that Word and that that Word is alive and powerful inside of us. I thank you for the, the stability and the foundation of the Word of God that never changes. I thank you, God, that you are that strong foundation in our world today. I pray for America. I pray for our world today, oh God, that you would help Help us, Lord, to come back to you and to the kingdom of God to prioritize you and your word. I thank you, Lord, for your church today. Pray, oh God, that you'd help us to be strong in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless y'all. Y'all have a great week. God bless you. We got a prayer team up here if you need special prayer. Love to have you. God bless you.